0: The internet is like the great equalizer, in my opinion, where it gives just everyone an opportunity, regardless of where you are in the world. And I think that's what's so special about startups and tech. Um, and I see it all the time on um, Wire, where people sell businesses from a- any country you could probably name. And, you know, whether it's 50K or 100K or something like that, that's entirely life changing. And those opportunities are only made available um, from tech.
1: Welcome to the Undefeated Underdogs podcast, where I unpack and narrate stories of ambitious people who turn obstacles into opportunities. My goal for this podcast is to create a platform to narrate underdog stories and maybe play a small teeny tiny role in inspiring you. I intend to highlight the underdog mentality and make authentic conversations with people who play the long game, take action with the chip on their shoulder and convert obstacles into opportunities. Buckle up, as I'll be bringing some authentic founders, VCs, community builders, and content creators who got underestimated their whole lives, and yet, they beat all the odds to becoming insanely successful. Now, today, I want to tell you a little bit about our awesome sponsor, Acquire.com. Selling a business is as tough as building a business. As someone who went through this process once, selling my own startup, I know the pain it takes to get to the end zone. This is where our sponsor shines. Imagine this, you're a founder who's built a solid SaaS product, acquired customers and generating consistent monthly revenue. The problem is you're not growing for for whatever reason. Lack of focus, lack of skill or just plain lack of interest and you feel stuck. What should you do? The story I'd like to hear is you buckled down, somehow reignited the fire, get past yourself and the cliches and start working on your business rather than just in the business. You start building an audience, move out of your comfort zone to do sales and marketing, and in six months, you triple your revenue. The reality isn't as simple. Situations may be different from every founder facing this crossroads, but too many times, the story ends up being one of inaction and stagnation until the business becomes less valuable or worse. Worthless. If you find yourself here, or your story is likely headed down a similar road, I offer you a third option. Consider selling your business on Acquire.com. Capitalizing on the value of your time is a smart move. Acquire.com is free to list, and they've helped hundreds of founders already. Go to try.acquire.com/sharad and see for yourself if this is the right option for you. Now, let's get into today's episode. What's up, everybody? Uh, I genuinely appreciate each one of you for tuning into the Undefeated Underdogs podcast. Today, I have a very, very, very special guest. Someone I actually kind of like seek inspiration every once in a while, whenever I feel like low or whenever I feel like lost. And I feel uh, this particular founder is is phenomenal in many ways. Uh, And I'm actually very stoked to bring him on the podcast so without further ado, welcome, Andrew Getsdecki. How are you feeling today, man? I'm very, very excited to have you on the podcast. Good.
0: Good, man. Thanks for that nice intro and excited to be here. Excited to chat. Absol-
1: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so for folks, I'm sure, i 100% sure that most of you know Andrew from Twitter, from Acquire and the content he creates, the content he produces for bootstrappers and other founders but i wanna' also, i wanna i wanna start this podcast with a with a high note by giving some of the some of the amazing things Andrew did in the past so first for Andrew gasdek, he needs no introduction he's he's a founder a father he's a content creator man he's an investor he's his his multiple personalities packed in baked into like you know one single human. Uh, He's right now the founder of Acquire, formerly known as MicroAcquire, the world's number one uh, acquisition, startup acquisition marketplace. You know, I've heard tons of tons of stories, founder stories, you know, acquired, changed uh, people's lives, literally like, you know, uh, people selling like life changing amounts of money, just putting their startup in Acquire.com uh he's also angel investor with over 15 plus startups in his portfolio including palantir and he's ridiculously prolific i can i'm repeating again ridiculously prolific uh he always often shares about you know his thoughts and you know playbooks frameworks lows highs and everything and that's i really admire about andrew man you you share like pretty much everything and you pump value and inspiration to founders so and I've I've learned a ton like literally reading you and like being talking to you like a couple of times before. Uh, so that's that's the man. I'm 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 very stoked and welcome to the show again, Andrew. Right off the bat, I wanna I wanna ask about a recent story you shared on on Twitter X, whatever people call call it. Uh, I was very moved by the way you narrated it, like meaning you really showed us the vulnerable side as well as the side where you actually like figured out or cracked. So talk to me about your your storytelling journey and being a storyteller. How did you like, you know, overcome those moments where you feel like, you, you know, you said in one of in the tweets, like you came from a poor family and, you know, you made it, Right. So talk to me about the whole journey like what what was you going through like when you were like writing that thread and sharing with the folks uh, just talk to me about the emotions.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I appreciate um all that and uh just as a small correction I'm not an investor in Palantir. I put it on my uh website as a joke when I was first making it. I'm assuming that's where you got it, AndrewGazdecky.com. Oh my god. <laughs> no, I'm not an investor in, in Palantir, but um yeah, so I've written a full book just on my first startup uh, just because it was such an interesting experience. And I knew it at the time. And for those that may not know my background, I started a company mm-hmm. in college. Before that, I had multiple failed startups or smaller startups, if you will. And uh, basically just kind of outlined you know, where I came from, uh, You know, didn't really grow up with too much um had a lot of grit had a lot of motivation uh then just kind of shared the story of that and um kind of the two-minute version of it was uh you know father passed away when i was six grew up in this uh beautiful beach town san clemeni and i would always see uh i'd have friends with just you know huge mansions and stuff like that and we didn't have that and so um by no means was my life um you know like woe is me or anything like that but it, it wasn't easy um but i always had this uh i guess this thought at the forefront of you know how do you achieve that and i remember asking my friends parents all the time like what do you do right. uh, like i remember you know feeling kind of you know uh different in high school and middle school like. In a town, San Clemente, spring break, everyone's going to Hawaii and stuff like that. I, I never went to Hawaii until I was, like, 22. Right. You know, so it was interesting. It was an interesting dynamic being... And I was originally born in Detroit, too. So mm. my parents, um, uh, from what I know, uh, I lived in, like, an RV when I was three. Um, well, I only recently found that out. Um, lived in, like, Rhode Island. rhode Rhode island um new hampshire and then my parents just said hey we want to do the california dream thing and then they just moved to san Clemente. Hmm. and then uh yeah father unfortunately passed away when i was six um so entrepreneurship today is glamorized it's sexy it's cool it's like you know some startup founders are revered as like the new rock stars they Hmm. literally are they're like more famous than like Bon Jovi or something like that. Um, and for me, entrepreneurship was like a survival mechanism where, you know, all my friends had all these things, and if I wanted a skateboard, I had to go figure out how to like get enough cash to go buy a new skateboard or something like that. I remember my shoes. I used mm. to skateboard a lot, so my shoes always were messed up because um, when you slide it up on the grip tape, it kind of cuts them up a little bit. Um, wow. Yeah, so nothing like terrible, but it kind of made me think like, all right, well, how do you get that? And so as you know, I think just from my uh, upbringing, you know, money was such at the forefront and I was just so curious about it. And then kind of everything aligned when I just really realized I like business. I liked selling baseball cards. I liked playing around on eBay. I had an eBay store when I was 13 and you need to be 18. Uh, there's a funny story behind that. I actually met the president of PayPal once and told him, oh, I've been selling stuff on eBay since I was like 13. And he goes, you gotta be 18. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I mean, 18, you're right. And he laughed as well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my background. You know, I just, I entered college, um, at a a 2.7 GPA in high school. So I knew from like a really early, some kids like they grow up and they want to be this, you know, the quarterback of a football team or they want to play. Sure. I knew I wanted to be the CEO of a company. So it was mm. always like this dream that I had. And so I was always reading, you know, different blogs or books, starting different things. Um, I started out making websites on GeoCities for all the bands in my high school. Mm. Um, what else did I do when I was younger? Uh, just, I was just kind of that kid that was always had some side hustle or something like that. And then when I went to college, I went to um, Chico State. And the only reason I got in was um, uh, the SATs. I scored really high on the SATs. So now you need like a 4.0 to go go there. And when I entered the school, I knew from the get-go I did not want to get a job. It did not add up to what I wanted to accomplish in life. And so I I just saw it as four open years. To figure out how to build some sort of company, so when I leave the school, I have a company to work on to to rely. Because I didn't have a safety net, I didn't have anywhere to go after school. Uh, My parents had already, or my mom at least, she had explicitly said, "You know, you can't come back home or anything like that." So I spent those four years figuring out. Every summer, I'd create a new business and then uh, create a job board that connected mobile app developers to businesses. Mm -hmm. It's all kind of like how important mobile apps were going to be specifically ios apps uh because this is when the iphone first came out and then i used that unique uh perspective or whatever you want to call it to go to a company called business apps which was a do-yourself um drag and drop mm-hmm. mobile app builder and uh yeah, I mean, started that when I was 21, sort of when I was 29 uh and here I am today.
1: I So one one quick observation is uh a lot of like you said a lot of founders these days uh, they by choice want to become a founder because like you said either it's it can be sexy or or they want to like, you know, Make make a living out of it, and most most of them they want to like build something like out of passion. But I I think it's quite fascinating to hear a story like you. You really had like no choice but to go. It's it's kind of like a necessity, right? Like when you stubbornly decided, I don't want to get into a job. I want to like you know pursue this uh because you you always wondered what would that life be right? Being your own boss, creating opportunities for others and whatnot. And that seed, I feel, was planted in a very early age, if I'm not wrong, like very young, right? Very early. early.
0: I I always wanted to say, you know, I tried rather than would it. So I just kept swinging, you know, I just kept trying different things, learning basic stuff about the internet, and you know this is maybe like 2004 or something like that 2006 so i'm starting to enter college and that's when you know the dot-com bubble was um Mm -hmm. 2000 so no one was into tech and then people started building businesses and really figuring out how to build a SaaS company and so that's where i kind of narrowed in because i just looked at it like the barriers to entry are so low, the chances of success are obviously really low as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I didn't have money to go into real estate. I didn't have money to buy a business. I didn't have money to, you know, the internet is like the great equalizer, in my opinion, where it gives just everyone an opportunity regardless of where you are in the world. And I think that's what's so special about startups and tech. Um, And I see it all the time on um, Acquire where people sell businesses from any country you could probably name, and you know whether it 's fifty k or hundred k or something like that that's entirely life changing and those opportunities are really made available from right. um, from tech, so I saw that early, and I said that 's what I want to do like i think I think I can do it and i'm I'm glad I went for it i didn 't you know candidly you know going back to business apps so business apps um, with the job board, I saw people creating the same app like over and over and over Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or requesting the same app and they were paying like $50,000. And so my original idea was to just have a template that I could customize and I could change the images. And then I would just have a low cost agency Mm -hmm. where, and that's kind of actually how it started. So I ran around my college town and in a college town, Push notifications for happy hour or push notifications for, you know, restaurants or like a a simple, simple loyalty program Mm. was huge for uh, college students. So that's how the business actually kind of started. I got like 30 customers on my own, built their apps, Mm. uploaded them to the app store, which is I'm a PC person, too. So I had to get a MacBook. Um, So I took out another student loan to get a MacBook. And, uh, yeah, I got like 30 customers and then I was like, oh, there's like these do yourself, like website builders. What if I had put like a SaaS interface on this where you can log in Mm. and people could edit their apps? Cause I started to get a lot of requests of, can you edit this? Can you edit this? Can you edit this? And then another interesting part of that story is I'm not technical at all. So Mm. I made the, I could make like a website. I can do design. So, I made mm. the original website, but in terms of the iOS app, um I had no idea how to do that, and then also um just the back end framework of and it looked terrible. It was like a blank page, only I knew how to use it eventually right. cleaned that up, but Chico State also isn't known for its engineering talent, so mm. I went on upwork and actually found our lead developer. his name was Raymond Chester, mm. and he worked with me for from the start all the way until the end and um all the engineers that we hired uh I didn't know how to vet really good technical talent so I just mm. hired all of his friends, friends that he said were good. Mm. So we ended up having like a a software uh dev shop in, in China. Kinda interesting. It just all happened randomly and it's like the stars I totally gotta say I got lucky. The iPhone just came out. Right. Businesses were dying to figure out how to get into the App Store. I wasn't technical. Um, right. I didn't raise
1: a bunch of venture capital.
0: I didn't go to San. you know.
1: So yeah, yeah. you were true an underdog. You I think the reason why I was uh, was like very excited to actually have this conversation is I feel by far you you you're the one who showed both sides like what it was being an underdog and how you can actually make it like the other side, which you're in right now, like you're kind of like, you're like a north star for many founders, right? So one, one thing I want to, uh, you're a hustler by necessity. That's what I want to like point out, uh, from the beginning. I, and as, as, I, a, as, as, I, myself and my friends would absolutely agree with that. Right. So I think it's hustling by necessity is like a very strong drive in my opinion, you know, uh, necessity is going to like you know change everything. You don't think about results like you you said you take a lot of at at bats constantly, right? My question is, as a six year old or a or a thirteen year old or take thirteen year old Andrew who's selling, uh, you know, stuff on eBay. and what was your what was your motivation? And I mean, apart from, like you know being poor or you want to like you're you're hungry enough to make it to the other end but who inspired you like okay you should be you should have certain North stars like where you can feel relevant okay these are the folks who actually made it especially in tech at that point a lot of founders right now are going to your twitter account or you know your writings your content and seek you know what andrew did it let me actually figure it out where did the 13-year-old Andrew went to figure it out?
0: Uh, I had no one. I had no one to, you know, I didn't have that father to give me advice or he's an entrepreneur and he was showing me like how to successfully build businesses. I would just read everything online. Like it became almost like it's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to play the game of business and it's kind of never stopped. It's, I always joke around that, Some people like to play tennis or pickleball now on the weekend. I like to play, you know, startup. Um, Mm -hmm. Now that I'm a father, obviously, um, you know, the weekends are always usually spent with my my son. Um, But I did have some really good mentors uh, later in life. So when I entered college, there's a few people that really, really helped me. So there was an entrepreneurship program. I was like living in that department and they (laughs) hated me. Or no, I would say they, they love me and they hate me. Well, so we had a business plan competition at Chico State. And cool. every year I would enter. And so I'm the only person to win fourth, third, second, and first. I oh entered every year. And every time I <laughs> lost, I would email them this big email being like, I remember one year I literally lost to someone who wanted to put chips in uh, babies like oh, and i was and i wrote a big email like the capital requirements of this is just way too high there's regulatory like stuff and it's just weird what you're gonna put chips and babies this <laughs> is in like 2010 maybe now it's a little bit more normal
1: no um, not even now it's it's crazy
0: <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i'm like dude. come on like you know don't give me fourth place give me third place so, right. I was always in there reiterating with different business ideas, and so, big shout out to um, Ryan Johnson and uh, peter strauss and Then Peter Strauss um, introduced me to uh, probably the biggest mentor in my life named Christian Friedland. He built a company called build dot com in Chico bootstrapped mm-hmm. it built it right after the dot com collapse, and they do um, several billion in gmv online they're like the home depot online mm-hmm. and he was so he was a small angel investor so with business apps um, i ended up raising a hundred thousand dollars from two people one of them being christian friedland and i would go see his talks at chico and be like i want to i want to be like this guy like he mm-hmm. he had a similar background like me um and he has a personality kind of like closest to ari gold from entourage if you've ever watched that show Right, right. Um, he's absolutely brilliant, super funny, but he really cared about me and my success. And I'd email him the big emails and he'd respond mm. back with like, you know, big emails. He didn't make a lot of angel investments. Mm. Um so I would say I'm a protege of him, if anything. Um he helped me get into um other pure CEO groups, like one of them was 10x CEO. And if you look up the companies on 10 X CEO, it's pretty intense. Mm. a lot of them are public now and stuff like that i ended up leaving that group just cuz i was like 25 and everyone was 40 talking about <laughs> different stuff i was just couldn't relate to i'm like i'm 25 or i'm 24 i don't want to <laughs> hang out with a bunch of 45 year olds, right um but you know maybe the lesson there um is sometimes just kind of seeing the world in your own eyes and making decisions for yourself like you're forming your own opinions can be really powerful and it did for me at least like mm-hmm. an example would be the stuff i was learning in school Is was like i'm not gonna really need this so mm-hmm. i'm not going to class or something like mm-hmm. that i was not mm-hmm. a good student mm-hmm. and then in terms of you know i always say one of the best skills an entrepreneur can have is the ability to learn anything and a big part of that is like you have to really want to learn it you're always best at the stuff that you really enjoy and you do your best work when you're happy right so yeah when i'm selling stuff on ebay i'd like research how do you do it and all that stuff but later in life i I definitely had some
1: good mentors love that shout out to i think you know the the i think partly you you were in a position where you were seeking constantly and i think there's this famous quote right like when you see the right teacher appears in front of you, I feel like, you know, it's kind of like that situation that happened to me and I, I can kind of empathize, uh, but I feel kudos to you, Andrew. I feel it, it starts with from you. You have to like start seeking, right? You constantly have to be or manifest or whatever the word like people call it. You have to be in that zone constantly so that the teachers appears, uh, the opportunities appear and, you know, whatnot. Talk to me. I feel one of the things I also want to cover in this podcast is I don't want to ask about your success stories because it's all there outside. And I, I know you probably would have uh, went on podcasts, like, you know, uh, talking about how you build business, business apps and, you know, being like, being one of the best companies back then and, you know, selling it from life-changing amount of money and all that. But talk to me about your lows have you ever felt like man this is super hard and what would you do even now today like it's not easy to run a company manage a big team and create content and be happy and be present with kids family uh and think in future about like okay i want to be here in the next 10 years right being ambitious so Talk to me about some of your lows you've experienced in, in life startups and what did you do to like overcome, you know, them?
0: Yeah, good question. Um I mean first to to come to mind is um probably when my father passed away, that really kind of changed everything for us. Cause my mom had me when she was twenty and I have an older brother. Yeah. So she had my older brother when I when she was 18. And so we were just left alone in California. And so um, I would clean houses with her um, and we lived off food stamps for a little bit. That was pretty rough in terms of just kind of figuring out like what happened. But I was so young that it didn't really like emotionally affect me too much. But that's when we, you know, moved into like a smaller house and that's when like, you know, it kind of became clear, like life's going to be a little bit different now. I remember the day it happened. I remember seeing my father, um, you know, my last, the last time I've never told anyone this um, on a podcast, but, you know, I saw him in the morning and uh, he passed away from, from cancer. So, and the way it happened was crazy. Um, My mom's recently shared some of the stuff, but she's kind of really, she holds stuff in. Uh, but I guess he was diagnosed, and then 60 days later, he was just gone. They were like, "You got a golf ball in your chest," and then just gone. So it wasn't wow. like a long, drawn out thing. It was just like, "What happened?" So that was really hard. But I think you know. But the the silver lining there is it really kind of put me in a position to understand that life is hard, and bad things happen to every single person, and you can do two things. You can complain about it. You can let it hold you down or you can let it lift you up. And so I think a big driver now that I've kind of like reflected on a lot of the things I do is, you know, I want to make him proud. I want to, so he, my, my dad is a big driver for everything I do. I think about him a lot. Um, and then other things just in terms of, you know, business and just going through that, you know, um really just changes how you view the world and just you know you're exposed to something um so tragic so early Mm. and then if you can somehow find a way to make that make that bad experience make you a stronger person or just be grateful like hey like i still live in this beautiful beach town like hey my mom still loves the hell out of me um i love my brother he's cool um, I got awesome friends. Like you get this perspective where you get a lot of positivity in your life because you realize it could be a lot worse. Like mm. by no means was I ever, you know, feeling like oh, like woes me can't do it. I just didn't. I didn't take that that path. I didn't. I had more of a, you know, what? I'm I'm gonna do something. I I really want to do something interesting with my life and um i'm gonna figure out what that is um but then going down just kind of my other um things i don't know skateboarding i broke my foot a bunch of times that's a bunch of low point if you skateboard and you break your foot uh it you like cry that actually like because you it's like something you love to do so much and then you're you just got to go sit at home for like a month um that's probably not like that hard but um going no, through well, the time, I, I feel i i think well let me tell you a couple other ones um some other low points was so when i was first getting um business apps off the ground i remember um you know cold calling small businesses um and i got together a few friends in the winter semester of our junior year or something like that mm. and none of us could could get a business to sign up. They had no idea what a mobile app was. Right. So all my friends kind of left and we had just gotten this like cheap $300 office space, right. $300 a month. And I just stayed and I co called myself alone in a room for two semesters. Uh, and that's how we got like our initial customers. But it was just me all alone and it was kind of lonely. Mm. Um, but luckily, you know, I had friends outside of but i loved it at the same time but that that was probably a low point Mm -hmm. um and then i guess we had this big issue with apple they actually were banning templated apps that Mm -hmm. was and i like lost weight over that that was intense and Mm -hmm. the backstory on that is we were creating so many mobile applications one in five or one in 20 apps published into the ios app store um was published by by business apps at its peak, mm-hmm. and they all of a sudden just would not let us publish any apps and I eventually literally cold emailed Tim Cook and had him reverse it um I don't know if I had the full influence over that, but it was uh that Maybe a story for another time <laughs> but there's so many like little things in between of just you know every time I see a challenge, I view it as an opportunity to improve or an opportunity to get better. Or if I fail at something, like, what did I learn? Mm. Um, and I think just having just sort of that mindset from an early age has just really helped me. So it's hard for me to recollect like hard times because like, I, I just know they're, they're gonna be there. So when you say hard times, it's kind of like, tell me about the time it rained or something like that. I just know it's gonna rain. And when it does, like, I'll still have a great day, and I'll figure out how to get through it. Um, So that's always been my perspective in terms of, you know, how to get through hard times and adversity is to realize this is an opportunity where you can feel sorry for yourself, and you can, you know, really let it hold you down, or you can figure out a way to turn this into an opportunity to grow or an opportunity to learn something, something that will be valuable either now or later in the future. And, um, I think that really goes into just what's required to build businesses. Is there's way more down moments than up moments, Weird. and I could tell you about a, a ton of like little ones, but none of them mm-hmm. are like life threatening. It's like not. I have a journal that I keep hmm. where I'll write down like the big problem that I'm going through the for the month. I look at it a month later, it's gone. So just having like that early perspective kind of helped me with viewing every obstacle is just another challenge to get
1: through oh man first of all i i genuinely want to appreciate you for sharing the story you know about your father uh, some of the details uh that you went through and I, I'm, I can't even imagine like you know the whole experience you know i've never felt that so losing a loved one It's ridiculously hard and at that age it's like you know it's it's even unexplainable and I feel I think once you delivered that answer I felt like everything else is immaterial (laughs) everything else you go through or even like you know people go through even I go through in my life right now it's all like none of that can actually weigh in the same way that what you experience right like some of the some of the adversities like people go through it's major i feel like those are all you know you can't re- reverse it you know so i appreciate you for sharing it and uh man you know I, I it's it's like you said it's like you know being a founder itself is a lonely you know journey at least in the beginning, uh, and when you do such things right like and I, I feel like you're you're a very strong person by nature <laughs> given that the whole thing whole uh the experience you went through you kind of became stronger and stronger and stronger and what what would you advise people who didn't go through those opportunities and but yet to want to become like stronger like yourself right like adversities, you know, some of them, for example, me, I, I I didn't, I didn't lose like a loved one like you did, you know, but at the same time, want to become stronger as a, as a individual and a, and a human being. So any, any advice or where should we look into? I think for you, I think you think about your dad every single day and kind of drives you. What would, uh, what would us, you know, we should drive uh, or like, where would, where would we look into?
0: Yeah, I think it depends on, you know, your goals. You know, if you want to build more grit, adversity, like you really want to give yourself a challenge, try building a company. Like <laughs> it's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, you know, cause you go through just so much interesting stuff, bad stuff, like mm. someone great leaves. Um, someone sues you. Um, one time we were actually sued by Salesforce, which was funny. Wow! Um, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, you want to you want to hear that story? Yeah, 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 yeah. Please, please. Yeah. So I got another one. Um, one time the IRS sent me a letter saying I owed them like twelve million dollars, oh and I was god. like, oh, I was like, oh shit, I'm going. I'll just tell you stuff I've never told on podcasts. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, I'm going to jail. Like, holy crap. Um, but. Again, I've always kind of just like had like a calm demeanor in those sort of situations, just knowing that it's all it's always gonna work out. Like you're not mm. gonna no one's gonna get hurt. No one's gonna get so with, with Salesforce what happened was we had a product called Business Apps Apex and mm. then TechCrunch published the release of it, and then Salesforce also had a product called Salesforce Apex. <laughs> and we were a Salesforce customer at the time. So mm. I was with um my my girlfriend now wife today and uh i remember where we were we were at a friend's house um in in tahoe and i got the letter i'm like oh my gosh like what like we're done and then we just emailed them and said like hey sorry like we didn't we had no idea and they were like oh no problem and then that was done and then the irs one was when i first started business apps our Payment processor was was Braintree, mm. so this was before Stripe and stuff. Setting mm. up payments was you had to like have a payment processor and something set on top of it. So we had Braintree, and then we had Recurly. But when I first started the business, I started as a sole proprietor, mm. and then they never updated that in their systems to uh, C corp, which is where mm. we later incorporated. And so that was also cleared up in a day. It was just hey, this is incorrect i didn't sleep good either nights getting those notices um but yeah i mean life just throws stuff like that at you and um um you know i could keep going on about just interesting stuff like you you misspend in business like you build a product that no one wants um all that stuff you know what do you do do you just give up do you learn from it do you you know what your actions from there are 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 so crucial and if Mm. you have this attitude of you know this is too hard or oh my gosh like what am i going to do and you're stressed out all the time number one that'll lead to burnout because you'll just you create this job that's just too intense and you hate it so Mm. i always i always say that you got to learn to love it when it sucks because it Mm. sucks a lot you know you you you, uh, you know when you first start a business it's really exciting You don't know where it's going to go. And then you kind of get this like period in the middle where it's just mundane, Mm. consistent. But it's what you have to do. And you have to learn to love that middle part because that's where everybody usually gives up. So when you get there, like just think to yourself, this is where everyone gives up when it starts to get a little hard. You know, people start stop talking about your startup as much. People aren't necessarily excited about it. Like your your birthday's over. And so now you've gotta work with customers, you have to talk to them, you have to figure out what their problems are and really fix them and then right. along the way, like you know the software you're building might take longer, it might be require more people, it might be completely off base, and then right. you also have to learn sales, marketing, management, all these sorts of things, yeah. and these are all obstacles to overcome and so you can say. I'm not technical, so I have no chance. Mm. Or you can say, I'm going to figure out how to do this, even though I have no idea how to program. And then on the flip side, as a technical founder, you can say, well, the reason my product's not successful is because I don't know sales and marketing. Or you can say, I'm a great technical founder, and I'm going to become a great uh, go-to-market founder, and I'm going to learn sales, I'm going to learn marketing. And the best way to do that is through action, Through you know teacher is the best experience Where pick up the phone cold call like Mm -hmm. that was one of the ways i would train sales reps and many of them have or a few of them moved on to be VP of sales or the managing people i just uh do you want to hear this am i going too long
1: no 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 oh man this is amazing I, i i thought we'll we're going to talk some you know some regular stuff but this is really gold to me no no keep keep going no yeah because, okay no, so this this pro.
0: is how i would train um sales reps and maybe this i can kind of tie this together um so you would you would start as um usually a sales development rep or an account executive and i would just say hey first day welcome um, and um for business apps i never could hire a good head of sales until i moved to san diego i originally Mm -hmm. this company started in chico moved Mm -hmm. it to san San francisco um, later moved it to san San diego where it was acquired and then um in san francisco though i was managing the sales team and i would just say hey sit down and then call all these people and then they had no idea what (laughs) Product they were selling. And so they would just get roasted on the phone. Like, people would just be like, <laughs> right. like don't ever call me again. Like, da 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 da. da. And this is their right. first job in sales. So wow. I'm, you know, 24, 25, 26 at the time. And uh, then we'd start training on day three. Hmm. So they'd have two days of just getting roasted on roasted. the phone. So they can feel that, like, hey, if you don't know these answers, like, people are going to be pretty upset. And your job yes. is to help them. And you Mm. haven't learned how to help them yet. And so that made training 10 times easier because they would come in with like, oh my gosh, I was on this call and this guy just yelled at me. He's like, he had some (laughs) questions about this part of the product. I had no idea what it is. It's like, all Mm. right, well, we'll get that answered for you. So everyone's ears kind of stuck up because they knew what it was like to actually do the job, but they didn't know how to do the job. And so when training started, they were much more attentive and they were much more yeah. eager to learn because they didn't want to just go on the phones yeah. again and just get yelled at. Get
1: yelled at, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, the- I
0: wouldn't recommend that today, but just being young, it kind of was a thought process of, you know, let's kind of toss you in, in in uh the pool really quick. Right. Right. You know, cold calling is hard. It sucks. Um, it's very difficult and it's one of the hardest ways to sell. But if you get good at it, and you can kind of get through those years of you know just cold calling, mm-hmm. and eventually move into a closing role or something like that. You really appreciate that time when you just <laughs> literally had to just smile and dial all day long. And I did it, and that's <laughs> how I learned sales.
1: You no, know, this is amazing. You know, I think appreciate. It. I feel like oh, the Salesforce story is amazing. I had a story it was funny, a uh, couple of follow ups. One is you, so before I I do like a follow-up, I I recently had like similar experience. I built this thing called Bluebee. I started it in January this year. It was like an AI app. You know, I was like in a a position uh, where I thought like I'll solve a next problem, which was not mine. Started it, failed, pivoted, and started something that I want to use Realize that it's taking forever to actually build it, you know, with a technical uh, partner. And like last week, I said, you know what, it's not working. You should shut it down. Move on to the next one. It's like you said, it's so freaking uncertain that one day, like two weeks ago, I was actually, I promised someone to sponsor their podcast through this project, Bluebee. And I was like, okay, let's do this. I want to support you and all that. And now I don't have it, <laughs> so it it becomes so uncertain, and basically, like all all of the all of the moves are curveballs in a way, right? One thing I want to like acknowledge, like you said, it's all about at that moment the choices and the actions define what we want to be next, right? In in it's it's all boils down to that. Like do you the like you said. You, you feel like okay this is shitty complain cry and all that or you can just pick yourself up okay this is off this dust off the stuff and like move on you seem to handle all this very calmly how the hell are you doing it like wh- do you do meditation or do you do any stuff that the habits that you've you know uh developed over the years that you feel like you know what it's still like you've said everything will figure out by the by itself like or you'll figure out by it's yourself you, it'll work out it requires a lot of uh, focus how did you develop that
0: i think it's just my personality you know like my mom told me some crazy stories about me as a kid just doing stuff uh like other fun facts about me i was really into to chess. Mm. um i i actually have like 30 chess trophies somewhere in my 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 mom's house and uh i was just really into the game i would read all the books this is in like fifth grade Mm. um so that's another fun fact about me i I think when i when i when i find something that i really like i just go all in on it and i kind of don't have an off switch which is kind of you know uh it's hard at times because I enjoy it so much. But sometimes mm. when it is hard, it's not fun. Like you, but it's almost like my body keeps going, but my brain just kind of turns off. And I just, like, I guess a stress reliever for me is just working. And what I mean by that is if there's a problem in the business, I'll just do whatever it takes to get that that problem fixed, whether it's redoing the sales process, mm. um, you know, revamping our, our marketing strategy. Um, getting the right people that I need on board. So I just always view stuff as again, it's not it's not a problem. It's not a problem. Mm. You know, when I hear problem, I hear I, I'm like, okay, good, good. Mm. We have a problem because mm. when you have problems, that is an opportunity for you to improve. If everything's perfect, like you can't get better at anything. So if everything's perfect, and it never is perfect um you don't ever grow so it's kind of like understanding just the reality of just in my opinion just life and business or whatever you're doing is it's never going to be perfect the grass is always going to look greener on the other side mm. but take a step back appreciate the stuff that you have um you know i told you some you know things that people might hear and be like that's really tragic but i view it as it made me who i am like mm-hmm. i wouldn't change a single thing and mm. so when i bump into problems it's really just a mindset of all right. Been here before. Let's get this let's get this shit fixed. Um I'm gonna put in whatever I have to do to get it done. Um mm-hmm. I I don't have like a this isn't gonna work ever mentality ever. Um
3: I have a, more this? of
0: a and I haven't succeeded at everything, so I don't wanna make it seem too right uh like, you know, I'm just shooting Three point after three point, like I miss a ton,
1: but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know
0: there's a saying that people that know the most about winning know the most about losing. you know you gotta sometimes um just learning what doesn't work helps you figure out what does work, mm. and so not being afraid like a failure or looking like a dumb person or you know embarrassing yourself, like you know you're not that you're not that important, like mm. um you know, it's important to realize that, you know, you're going to make mistakes. It's inevitable. So just accept it. Mm. You're going to go through hard times and feel like this isn't going to work and doubt yourself. So just accept it. Mm. And, you know, I think that's where you get the real, um, kind of, you know, like raw entrepreneurs who, you know, there's there's a a, a group now that, again, I think went to Stanford, they go to White Combinator and they're building like a thing. And I wonder how those um entrepreneurs um perform under pressure compared to someone um maybe similar to you know myself Mm -hmm. who's you know had to overcome adversity and um you know again understands that there there really is there's no there's no secret trick, there's no growth hack, there's no silver bullet it's just putting in the hours and the work and being really, really consistent at it. And like you said, focus. Mm. And so, um, kind of a long winded answer to your question, but I, hope no, that, yeah, you know that.
1: I feel, I really agree to what you said. One is, uh, where's the thrill if everything is given to you, right? Like life would be mundane. If, if you, if every startup project you take upon is going to bring millions of dollars creating like, you know, whatever the thing that you want to aim for i think the lows uh, that's how i view it it's basically the lows are uh, are the opportunities where you reset yourself uh and you start from again from ground zero right like you're you're so high that you were like kind of literally you know fell on the floor okay now it's a choice to you know for us to like make okay how can i go back again so i feel it's that resetting point like uh I, i'm not finding a good analogy but i completely 100 agree with you that's how i came to the us as well with 500 dollars in my pocket like figuring out i'm still figuring out i have I, i've never done anything that you did compared to you uh but i think that's the that's the beauty of it right like at some point one of the three-pointer will go into the basket like without touching the net that's that's the that's yeah. the goal, and you just keep on taking these shots. I don't know. I feel like you know, and it, it, as long as we're trying, as long as you're shooting, is 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 fine. Uh, not necessarily like you know, the shot should go in, right? If it goes, wow, that that is amazing. Uh, if it didn't go, just like pick up the ball again, and and shoot. Yeah
0: yeah i'm all i'm all about that guess what my son will tell you my son's uh three and a half um but he's been able to answer this question since he was uh it's called two i ask him what do we do when we fall down
3: Hmm.
0: guess what he says
1: like pick pick him up or we get back up yeah every time he
0: falls i say hey you fell what do you do like he's like Mm -hmm. get back up i'm like that's Mm -hmm. right that's right another another couple phrases um that I just want to ingrain to his mind is, you know, um, what do we do with everything um that we're trying to get better at? Mm-hmm. Like we're consistent. We keep trying. We keep mm-hmm. trying. And so he'll say, Okay, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna give it my best. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. right, you're gonna try your hardest and you're gonna give it your best. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another one I'm working on right now. Um uh more around like uh every night. Um I'll, i I read to him and i that's kind of my, I'm like the closer.
2: <laughs>
3: uh, so I'll, I'll,
0: I'll read books to him and then get him in bed and in bed. I'm like, tell me about something you're grateful for. And so mm. I'll say something I'm grateful for. So I want to instill, right. you know, the confidence of, you know, yeah, if you, you're going to fall down in life and when you do get back up and then anything that you want to do, if you really want to be great at it, you need to give it your best and you need to, you know, put in, put in the work.
2: Right. And
3: yeah. then also
0: be grateful for what you have. And I think that mixture of I'm not trying to give parenting advice here, but no,
1: no, no. um that's no, kind I of feel, my I, I feel like you you have like a glass half full mentality all the time. Like I think that's how you, you think. Like always see the glass half full, not not the empty piece, so that you you have something to look up to or like look forward to. It can be anything, right? I even I, I don't know, man. How you did when when you were that age, at a young stage, where you were like actually looking for a silver line. That's that's insane to me. I feel like that's that takes it takes it requires a lot of courage and a lot of maturity actually to even go through that, right? So, I mean, if you've you've done that, and I think, like I said, everything else would be like so small, so little, right? If when you, um remember that i'm this turns out to be like more than inspirational to me personally you know this this past 50 minutes i'm i'm all like a uh, couple of memories you said i got like literally goosebumps man that's so unimaginable and and i'm I'm so thankful and you know so happy to see you in the position where you are in and you inspiring others is what i feel like you know Uh, Is the best way to move forward, right? A couple of more questions. I want to. I want to. Let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the tactical side. So you've built a no-code mobile platform before. No-code was a thing. It was not like a thing, you know, till till the last five years. How do you? How did you see the future like that? Like, so the question I have is, what would what should founders learn about timing and how do they actually follow this gut that says, okay, you know, pursue this because this might be a thing.
0: Yeah. So this is a big one for me. So this is how we think about building, um, anything I've ever done is so that job board thing they told you about, it was mm-hmm. a piece of junk. It was called <laughs> phone freelancer. I made the logo. If you put it in like website archive thing that tool <laughs> if you've ever used it you can see it, yeah, 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 it right. yeah uh but i knew iphone apps were gonna be a big thing i just i the iphone came out i couldn't afford one but all my friends had it and i was mm-hmm. like what the hell is this thing like what this is like a computer like you can go on the internet on this like oh my gosh <laughs> and so i just wanted to put myself in that industry like put mm-hmm. myself in there and because i knew this was a paradigm shift i You know, I was thinking, you know, there's internet, now there's mobile. And Mm -hmm. I want, I think there's a lot of opportunity in mobile. And so I was really, really excited about it. Um, So uh, the point I'm trying to get at is um, you want to try to find a way to have a view on something that is unobvious to everyone, but very obvious to you Mm. that will become obvious to everybody over time. Mm. So what I mean by that in a personal example is I knew mobile apps were going to be big. I saw it happening on this job board. I saw people paying like $50,000 for these things. Mm. And so I said, okay, how can I build a company around this? And then that's kind of how the the thought process went for that. Mm. And same with Acquire. I thought, you know, after I'd exited a business, I was thinking about, you know, I looked around the market, there had been no innovation even just going through the process of selling your business, like finding a buyer was so hard and then due diligence. I had no idea what I was doing. The other options in the market, you know, we're hiring expensive professionals.
2: Mm. But
0: for the lower end of the market, you know, you kind of have to sell your business to a business broker or an investment bank. They won't take you on generally. Mm. Um, So I felt there was a huge void in the market. Um, And so I made a bet that more people than ever are going to be building startups. They're going to be bootstrapping those startups and they're going to need a place to sell those startups. Because like you said, with the prolific prolification of uh, prolification of no code, it's enabled non-technical people to build startups. And that kind of, that's kind of how I thought. And uh, that bet turned to be, I'd like to think true Um, business apps also true. Um, but it's find, you know, really put yourself in a market where you can gain these unique insights and then make a bet on something that's not obvious today, but it's going to become obvious um, to everybody in the future. And they they do say that statistically, there's, there's a really good TED talk by Bill Gross mm-hmm. about the importance of market timing. Mm-hmm. Um, like as another example, like um, there's many iterations of YouTube before it came out. Mm. But it wasn't until Adobe flash came out that you could actually watch these videos on a a browser without downloading or blowing up your router. Right. right. Um, (laughs) uh, Like there's a number of different examples of companies that started too soon. Like the market just wasn't ready. Right. Um, So that's kind of my, my thought process in terms of, you know, interesting businesses to build is think of where, I guess I'll throw on a Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott quote. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you know, skate yeah. to where the puck is going, um, right. not where it is right now. That's kind of how I, I try to think. Right. And, you know, you're not always going to be right. Mm. Like, definitely not. Because you're trying to predict what's going to happen next. Right. Um, But that's how I've always thought about um, building businesses and which ones to enter.
1: And what are you right now betting on? Uh, like. 2023, Andrew. What is obvious to you that is not obvious for others?
0: I think it's the same thing that I took a bet on in uh, 2020 when I launched Microquire. Now, mm-hmm. um, acquire where I think more and more founders are realizing that you know raising venture capital you know, it's just not a game I think a lot of people want to play. And mm. I don't think it's a game that, you know, first-time founders should play. Mm. Um, I'm I, I'm fully in support of founders that, you know, go down that route. I think it's awesome. The biggest companies in the world are built through the venture path. But I think when you think more practically and more realistically, um, the statistical odds of becoming successful if you avoid that and just the Mm. level of stress that you won't have if you don't have kind of these huge growth targets that you have to hit and all this pressure from other investors. For your first startup, if you're able to just, you know, solve a simple problem, Mm. it could be, you definitely want to focus in on a very, very specific niche to start. um, And then sell that business. So you become, you know, somewhat financially secure whatever size you build the business to and then i always say then go swing then go swing really mm. big cuz then you aren't putting so much pressure on yourself where this absolutely has to work otherwise um you know you're you're back to square zero when you bootstrap a company you get any sort of customers it has value mm. um so i would say you know my bet now is still and maybe there's like an opportunity to you know rethink you know, outcomes that are more realistic. Cause there's also a saying that 90% of acquisitions are under 80 million. Hmm. So if you just do the math on that, so most like you're, if you're going to build a company, it's probably going to, it's not going to be a billion dollar outcome. And so optimizing for that, maybe there's an opportunity to, you know, align investors with that sort of outcome expectation. Mm. I don't know how all that math works, but I think there's something interesting there. So if I had to like quit right now, um, acquire, and that's probably where I'd focus on is, you know, how, like what, what problems, um, uh, could be solved to help more people get into entrepreneurship. That's, Mm. um, maybe holding them back.
1: You seems to be someone who really, really give a damn about founders. Like, all the time why do you care a
0: lot about founders why <laughs> uh i mean it's just me i don't know i just i always i kind of joke around with, with friends like you know i don't i i don't really like i'll get i'll get kind of nervous by me like um you know a really like a founder i admire just cuz i like i admire your work dude like i've been following you um i'm trying to think of a an example of that um but yeah i mean i just it's like those are my like my my people like hey we're playing the same game and you're just you're way above me like like that's awesome um and also i think just the way that entrepreneurship changed my life i think you know, having the opportunity and the privilege to help people go down a similar path is really rewarding me. That's what gets me going. Mm. I always joke around with my team that I'm kind of an unpaid volunteer at Acquire because if we have a good outcome, what am I going to do? Like, I'm just going to start another company because it's what I love to do. <laughs> so I'll be running this one for a while, but like, I don't have any material wants or anything like that. Um, but what what kind of you know really fires me up in the morning is is helping people inspiring people like talking to people like you um you know it took me a while to share kind of the background of myself my story but Mm. i think i i enjoy doing it because there's someone out there listening to this that maybe has been through some hardship themselves thinking hey i'll never be able to do this or hey and it's like you can like it's it's possible like people mm. have done it and so can you, but if you're going to think in a negative way of I can't do it, then it's probably not going to work out. But if you have a positive mindset mm. and so every, every tweet, every, you know, I'm usually just trying to make people laugh, motivate people, teach people, um, specifically startup founders. Cause it changed my life and I, mm. and I love every bit of it. I love the good, the bad, you know?
1: How how do you tweet, uh, Andrew? I feel one of the things uh, that I also want to like uh, personally ask: Do you just tweet it like as if some thought comes to your mind, and you just like throw it out? Uh, is is there a is there a strategy to it? I, I'm sure there is no scheme because you seem to be someone who's very authentic. So, whatever th- the thing that comes to your mind? You just like you know share it with the public, uh, but What's your creating process looks like?
0: Yeah, I mean do you want me to do a tweet right now? I just wrote them from my phone. <laughs> <laughs> the, just,
1: just go All right, here, I'll 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 write a, a Gazdecky esque tweet. Um <laughs> so we're we're live tweeting in this podcast is going on. That's amazing. I mean,
0: so okay, so what do you think the hardest part about building a startup is?
1: Um uh, I think the hardest part is playing the long game, not not wavering about uh short term results, you know. Having like a unified path where this is where I want to go and I want to go like you said, right? Like I wanna I wanna do this for the long term. I think keep keeping up with that is really hard because you get a lot of distractions and you tend to
3: like, you know. Uh, lose focus, so I feel that's that's the thing I guess. Playing the long game. Okay, I don't want to steal your tweet, but um, all right,
0: I'm gonna just tweet this out right now. the Hardest part of building a startup is usually just getting started, and the, the reality is there's no, there's never a perfect time, so just go for it.
1: There you go. <laughs> uh, it's just
0: from my phone. It's usually when Twitter had, um you could see where the tweet was coming from. It's always from my phone. If you go mm. back, Because yeah, 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 that's like, um you know, like the best, sort, the best form of marketing is just being authentic, just being yourself. Like everyone else mm. is taken, and be proud of who you are. Like, and that's another thing. Like you will inspire people. You will upset people. Mm. He will make people critics. Um, some people will completely like maybe someone in the street will be like, "Shut up" or something. I don't <laughs> know. And, and I just like the tweet anyway. I'm just like, "Hey, I respect your opinion. Like, I have my opinions, you have yours, and you know, I never like, I don't care. But, you know, it's just I want to just say what's on my mind, what I believe. Um, right. But yeah, Twitter and stuff like that, it. People ask have asked me that quite a bit, um, but yeah, I write all my tweets, and then I always joke that um, Drake's my my ghost writer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. You you have the bandwidth. Uh, so, you now that you're talking about marketing, one of the questions I have, or the topics I want to discuss, is unconventional marketing. You actually introduced a lot of the things. People do regularly right now these days, uh, buying billboards on Times, you know Times Square, or what's the other thing like cameo videos, like you know bringing the celebrities on onto like you know people's feed. And how do you get creative with doing things that, like like in in your words, like very unobvious for people in some in terms of marketing
0: oh, this is a good question ah, i like this so one of my favorite parts of building businesses is creative marketing mm-hmm. and really brand marketing and mm. so as a startup founder um and this has been particularly fun with um acquire um is i understand startup founders you know right. i know what's funny i know what's or at least i think it's funny i don't know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it is but you know, I see a lot of startups using the same playbook. They're writing, you know, boring content. Uh, they are they have a paid ad campaign. They have, you know, just something general. It works. Mm-hmm. Um, but to really stand out in today's crowded market, um, you, you want to market in a way that doesn't feel like marketing. That really resonates with people. And that, mm-hmm. you know, can either be inspiring. You want to make people feel something and so you know when you bring up um the russ hammond videos um r.i.p to him because he's no he's no longer on cameo um
1: but he's he's doing That's good sad. yeah
0: yeah great guy um but that makes people laugh probably and then it also probably gets your, you should
1: probably you should bring brian cox from succession uh that he can be a good replacement
0: <laughs> you know i haven't watched that show i've gotten into like two episodes i'm like I, I just i'm not a big show watcher and so uh me and my wife have tried to get into that one uh, it, but it all... becomes
1: good it becomes good like the first season is kind of dry it's like the office you feel like what 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 the, what the hell it's so boring well,
0: here's a, here's a, here's a funny random story um so i was with a friend and i was like yeah i just started watching um succession and he's like oh you're gonna love when this character gets introduced and I'm like, is it that kid who brought a girlfriend to this party, and she took like a picture, and he got kicked out? And he's like, dude, that's up. That's season four. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, like me and me and my wife Michelle we're watching. We're like, who are all these people? Like, when are they going to introduce each other? Um,
1: so you went ahead. So if
0: you want to, and and maybe this is kind of like a twist, but if you want to talk about ups, um, you know, I. I got to give a shout out to my wife too. My wife, um, uh, what was your question? I feel like we're just kind of go No, back no, I forth. think we, I like we were
1: talking about unconventional marketing and, you know, what's, how do you how yeah, do, you do me, like creative me, marketing? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I always like to think about marketing in ways of um, not thinking about market. what, yeah, I don't pick up the the marketing book and then mm-hmm. be like I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm gonna, I pick up the marketing book and I think about okay, what's going to be the next trends in marketing? What can really stand out in marketing? Because I'm a big believer that customer attention mm-hmm. is your true competitor in today's market. There's just so many companies. So mm-hmm. if you think, you know, the one or two companies that sort of kind of do what you do mm-hmm. are your competitors, mm-hmm. I disagree and you know, they I you know, they they're your competitors, but really your main competitor is customer attention. Like every day we're inundated with different products. My email inbox is living proof that there are <laughs> lots of startups being made right just cold emailing me and it just doesn't get through. And so mm. there's also studies that show that uh, you need buyers need to see your brand. I it might be like 10 to 15 times before making a buying decision. Right. right. And so understanding like the psychology behind people and so when you make them have an emotional connection whether that's through educating them, inspiring them, making them laugh is my favorite
3: because mm-hmm.
0: everyone can relate to a laugh. And
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh fun another fun fact about me is um I listen to a lot of stand-up comedy when I drive to work every day just nice. so I was in a positive mood. I would I would instead of listening to music on the drive to work, and or I'll, I'd put on stand-up comedy. <sighs> and i I still do it today so if i have like a talk i have to give or something like that i'll usually listen to stand-up comedy before so i'm like laughing (laughs) and then it works for me
1: that's that's awesome uh yeah so you're you're talking about the the unconventional marketing uh do you do like a brainstorming with your team how do you come up with these ideas that that people didn't think about right like Right now, most of most of us are doing the billboards. It's like you know, it's a pretty common thing in in tech. But you did that before anybody else. Uh, what's the creative process that go behind Acquire's marketing? And I feel one of the things you're pursuing still now is to get the Twitter handle for Acquire. You're going on a war I, with I, Elon. I, I wanna
0: I wanna talk about that one. Um, I'll I'll finally. Um unveil um the strategy behind that That, yeah yeah we'd love we know we would have loved the handle um but we've known since december that um twitter x is working on a handles auction marketplace since december Mm. or since november Mm. okay so about a year Mm. and so it became this great way to just inspire entrepreneurs to just shoot your shot publicly Mm. you know and so we're probably going to be sticking with acquire.com because it's more defin- it's more um uh what's the word um shoot forget it um it adds uniqueness to the brand cuz there's other companies called acquire but we got the .com so acquire.com right um but it was just all marketing but you didn't feel like it was marketing but every time i w- i would do it people would see it and be like yeah like dude let's get it right and so i was inspired by all the other people like rooting me on and stuff like that Mm. um but it's likely gonna cost like seventy thousand dollars or something for the handle so i don't think we're gonna actually get it but um i I did post up like a hey we'll pay sixty nine thousand four hundred twenty dollars i'd pay for that (laughs) because that's like ultimate pr like you get to do a deal with the richest guy on the planet in front of everybody that would have been cool yeah
1: um
0: but i've i've interacted with the twitter team enough or x team enough to realize it's never going to happen so stop asking (laughs) it's going to go to the handles marketplace (laughs) but that's another example of creative marketing it gets see the the examples that you're bringing up are things that um people talk about you know people don't talk about like you would never bring me on this podcast i'm like andrew i saw your google ad campaign Mm. i typed in uh choir and I really liked the headline and it was great, you know. Right. So that's how I always think about marketing is how can right. I um almost put on um you know a a show or something entertaining or something inspiring for people to shoot their shots. Like shoot your shot. Like go ask the richest man in the world about some Twitter handle. right Why not? Right, you right. know it's funny. It's it, it I had a blast doing it. Um, and then the billboards. Like Mm. you're talking about it. That's awesome. And then the Russ Hanneman, it's it it, it's all about standing out and marketing. Mm. And so, you know, there's a saying when everyone's going right, you want to go left. When everyone zigs, you wanna zag. So you wanna do kind of the opposite of what everyone is doing in the market because that's how you'll you'll stand out. And it's also just more fun.
1: Yeah. You'll enjoy it. I think it's just
0: Yeah, I, I enjoy the billboards. I think it's cool to like we're in Times Square. And then people look at it and they're like, wow, that must have cost like $10,000. And it really costs like just a couple grand. Because what we do is we um, use a company called Blindspot. Mm-hmm. And we just have it go up. So it only goes up for like 15 seconds. Mm. And so the cost is low. And then we have a photographer that just snaps it. Mm. And so it looks like this NASDAQ thing. But it's right. really just, <laughs> you know. We, we just paid for, for the picture. Right, right. So right. that creative sort of scrappy marketing that's not being done by others is mm-hmm. what's going to really stand out in your market.
1: Yeah. And I feel you. what you're trying to do and I think what you suggest or advise founders to do is do marketing where you can talk about whatever the thing you did on a dinner table. right? You never talk about SEO marketing with your wife sharing a meal or your friend sharing a meal right but you'll definitely talk about oh my god you know what actually I showed it to my wife when you did I think you or someone else actually posted my tweets on Times Square I was like holy shit this is awesome like I'm I'm on Times Square I don't even associate with a choir or anything because I'm not working but I'm there so I feel that is something that is really like fascinating to me it's like it's like dinner table marketing like you know you bring these topics together and you share with like folks who doesn't even know acquire or the companies like you know they do these things that brings word of that fastens word of mouth like crazy right so i, I that's that's really fascinating to me and you know appreciate you for uh starting it you know so that other founders like me and you know folks who are listening actually like you know uh taking lessons and,
0: and last point I'll make too is um the way the the company that I always admire for marketing is Nike mm. They sell shoes I nice. got Nike's on right now yeah um but what they what they stand for is so much more they um celebrate athletes they celebrate the sport they um encourage people to get in the game mm-hmm. that's like their whole brand message and i think if startups think the same there's a huge opportunity for you to you know create a community around your business of people that really are inspired by what you're doing or have again that emotional connection where you're celebrating when people are successful correct you're helping people you know get into the game of building startups by teaching them and motivating them i believe motivation is kind of the biggest stopper from people entering in they're just they don't have the confidence, they feel like they don't have the skill sets, they don't feel like they have this or they need to have this and this and this and none of that's true. Yeah. Just you know, get started and then start learning. That's what you yeah. need to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: so yeah. if you're able to inspire your customers like that in a similar way to Nike, Nike's a really good framework.
3: Yeah.
0: Um uh then I think you'll have a killer marketing strategy and you also think about how you market differently because the better you understand your customer in terms of, you know, like what you just said, like it made your day and, you know, it brought you delight and stuff like that. And I don't know what the ROI is on that, but yeah, um, you know, it gets you talking and I'm sure you shared it. And yeah, absolutely. Again, I- it, it, the intention also isn't, you know, to get anything about it. So a big part of our marketing strategy as well is just giving away a ton of free value for free. Mm ton of free value um and then when it's time to potentially sell your business we hope that you would consider us okay. so that right there is um the marketing strategy i recommend to anyone who's thinking about one is give as much free value away and uh have a big ask at the end i know alex Fimozzi just released um
1: his book some yeah. book yeah
0: yeah cool guy i've yeah. met him once um Uh, But he's not, he's not wrong. He's like, give away like a bunch of free value. And then, you know, have an offering at the end uh, for later down the line. You don't know when, but you're giving away all this free value with zero expectation in return. And some will come back to use your business for uh, whatever you provide um, because you built that um, credibility and that connection with that person far in advance.
1: And it's a long game, right? Like, uh, so one of the ideas before I forget I think you should buy for the love of startups dot com and you should i think in in all of your tweets that you were putting for for the handle, you actually end up with saying that for the love of startups something like that right so yeah. probably probably it would be like cool to actually have a website where the this whole journey is captured you know uh did you do that or
0: uh I mean it's probably taken. <laughs> We did almost buy we're just getting started dot com. Oh. Okay. But they wanted um like a check or something and I just said, nah. <laughs> I I've kind of I've kind of purged my domain buying addiction. So
1: <laughs> af- after we got the big one, I was like, nah, okay, we're gonna we're gonna calm down here. Got it. So one of the things I also wanna talk about is you hired A players because you know, you're you're a team player in you've tweeted so many times about hiring journalists when you're starting and hiring specialists when you scale. So what, what is the strategy that, that worked really well for you and in terms of hiring? Like what qualities do you look in people uh, that you want to like, you know, advise for other founders to do the same?
0: Yeah, motivation, attitude, skill set in that order. Can't hmm. teach the first two. <laughs> and i can't work with people who have a bad attitude and are motivated mm. i think if you're a really high performer and i consider myself a high performer it's really hard to work with other people that just aren't as motivated as you don't have that positive perspective don't have that you know like team mentality um no matter how skilled you are at your role Mm. um so i've always made an emphasis to really understand you know what the team that i hire is you know what motivates you um who are you what have you been through um what makes you who you are today Mm. uh, where do you want to go in five years i want people that are driven and actually want to really do their best work when they're you know working with me Mm -hmm. and then i also want to know how can i make that happen because it's a two-way street you know it's not just hey you got the job now you got to go do it you know now it's my job to inspire them and motivate them and when i say two-way street they're working to right. help my dream come true but they also have their own dream you right. know so i always ask like what is your personal dream like what do you what can i do personally mm. to help you get to where you want to go cuz i realize you're not going to work your 40 years mm. and if you are I'm going to have some questions for you at that time, (laughs) but while you're here, let's let's figure out how to have you do your best work. And then in return, I'm going to help you. You want, okay. You're in sales, but you want to learn product. Okay. Let's make that happen. Yeah. Um, I've had people that started with me in customer success, moved into product sales, moved into product, Mm. um, customer success, moved into marketing, you know, I do a lot of um, internal promotions mm. uh, over everything just because, you know, if you take an early bet on me, you know, I'm going to return that favor. And um, but when it comes to a team, I I wholeheartedly, I have a lot of respect for, you know, solopreneurs and stuff like that and sure. keeping the team like really, really small. I think um, those are great businesses, um, you know, just depending on your goals. Um, but for me, I like to be surrounded by just a, a group that is just tenacious in terms of their motivation. Like, right. they're on my same page. And mm-hmm. as a leader, you kind of set that tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I'm not saying, like, you know, hey, you got to work till like midnight every night. I'm just saying, like, let's make it really clear what success looks like mm-hmm. in this role. And then let's figure out how. To get you there, what tools do you need? Um, What support do you need? And then when you have that cohesiveness on a team in terms of what is your mission? What is Mm. your strategy? um, How is this inspiring to you? That's how you can get the best work out of people and really Mm. get that extra. I always believe people have just an extra. You know, 20, 30, 40, 50% of additional productivity you can get out of them mm. by just doing the basics, not being an asshole, truly caring for them. Mm. I could show you in my Slack channel every single day. I thank a random person and mm. not a random person, but right. I thank a person in front of the entire company every single day. It's called Daily Appreci- It's got like two fire emojis fire emoji, mm. daily appreciation, fire emoji, then the person. <laughs> and I tag them in front of the whole company and I just truly appreciative of them working for that for me and the team and you know helping our customers and helping build an amazing business um so when i look to hire it's definitely um you know motivation attitude skill set um and then when you get all that right um culture wise you build this culture that everyone just wants to be a part of and everybody makes each other better and everybody starts Mm. to become, you build this like self learning. uh, I don't want to say organism, but I'll go with it Mm -hmm, Um, where everyone's helping each other and everyone's getting. So everyone on a daily basis is getting better because they like working with each other. And when you like working with each other, you're going to help someone out. You're going to lend a helping hand. Like, Hey, like yesterday, an example we were reviewing um a letter of intent that someone had just received and i hopped on the call with um uh her name's ebony Hmm. and we she had never done a call like that and i just said hey i'll hop in let's go and so when you kind of like lead by example and then also you know foster this environment where everyone feels comfortable asking for help and then other team members come and you know help or provide um you know, whatever they may may need to to exceed in a role. I mean that's when you have a really good team. That's a team. There's yeah. a difference between a team and a group of just people working yeah. on something.
1: I love that. I, I think I love the differentiation. I feel you you when you're not being an asshole, I feel you'll you'll be authentic, right? And authenticity really resonates with everybody. So I, that's that's the best way to be a leader. And like you said, lead by an example, help them kind of also care about them that it's not my dream that you all are fulfilling it's it's mutual right the, the two-way handshake is really important in team building i love that let's get into the audience questions you know a couple of folks asked some interesting questions i want to like you know give them a shout out i think darshan you know he asked a couple of questions one how did you drive the first 100 acquisition deals i think you kind of covered uh it's is it cold calling and was it more natural more hand-holding uh, what's your take
3: oh yeah
0: i used to live on live chat like <laughs> it was I, so i launched during covid and there was just nothing to do There was nowhere to go and so i was just working on micro choir now acquire now mm-hmm. um pretty much every extra additional minute i had i didn't want to watch the news it was just Mm, red screens everywhere. It's like, okay you know, I wanted to put myself in a positive place where mm. I can work on something I enjoy and really just make the most out of a bad situation. Right. Um, so the first hundred acquisitions, um, you know, I I initially worked with um an agency to build the product, um, seeded the marketplace by reaching out to a bunch of angel investors and um, VC funds and mm. um corp dev corporate development people Mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. larger companies to get the buyers on Mm -hmm. and then oddly enough when i did that um a lot of um of the people that i reach out to would say oh like we actually have some companies that we'd like to sell Hmm. um this is really interesting and also vice versa we'd reach out to startups would you be interested in potentially ever thinking about selling your company we built this marketplace and i would say we but it was just it was literally just really? me. Yeah. <laughs> uh and so we get some listings from there, but we'd also get like referrals. Mm. Um, and then some startups would say, Oh no, but I'm actually looking to buy. And so mm. both sides were looking to buy and sell. And so initially did that, um, launched on product hunt, got product of the day. Mm. Um and that was and then I actually didn't think it was gonna work either. I just thought it was a cool concept that mm. um and I, I i could show you this journal entry but the the day before launch i have a funny journal entry that says i don't know if this is going to work but at least the website looks it was it's really well designed so i'm proud of that <laughs> you know so again just like you know i don't know if this is going to work but just having that positive view of like right well at least this part's awesome like yeah. you know cool. um so first first hundred acquisitions was was definitely manual, um, mm. hustling. Yeah. I talked to so many buyers during that time, so many sellers mm. living on live chat. you know, living on live chat can be kind of a a, a big competitive mm. advantage as a founder, mm. because you get so much information from customers about what they like, what they don't like, how to improve. Um, And people would give me so much feedback. So that really helped me understand, you know, how can we really make this work for both sides?
1: Hmm. I love that. Uh, There's a there's another question, which is I think this is my favorite one as well. Over time, what has been the pattern theme you observed about why startups might get acquired? Is it product founders community? What is like a deal breaker?
0: I mean, there's many deal breakers. You can have um, the perfect business and have deal breakers, Mm. Uh, like not having uh, truthful financials, um, holding things back or something like that. There's a lot of goodwill involved in acquisitions. Mm. So bring your company to market with, you know, goosebumps and all bruises and all, because those can be presented as potential growth opportunities to buyers that are looking to grow the business post acquisition. Mm. And then um, in terms of, you know, what really sells um, or what buyers are looking for today, it's really just profitable businesses, businesses Mm. that are generating, um, they're healthy, um, they're generating, you know, predictable returns. Um, So those are, that's kind of the biggest segment. But then we have other segments like newsletters are really interesting. Um, We sell a good amount of e-commerce websites. Um, we sell a number of, uh, we just opened up this category content websites, Mm. but mobile apps, um, Shopify apps are great too, but it all comes down to just the quality of, you know, the product. Um, obviously if you have, you know, any sort of like proof of product market fit traction that those startups see way more attention than, Mm. um, pre-revenue startups. Um, and then also just being a good person. I mean, that's, it's always, there's a quote from Warren Buffett. It's hard to do a good deal with a bad person. (laughs) So I think a lot of startup founders, you know, they'll list their startup Mm. and they think like, Oh, it's just going to sell itself. And Mm. that's couldn't be further from the truth. Your job when selling your business is to Mm. help the buyer fully understand every aspect of how the business operates and make their job easier. Um, so we've actually, um, This year, we built a a sales team in-house for both sales and customer success. So Mm. when you sell and acquire, you're not alone. Um, But any type of just online type of business is is seeing a lot of traction. It's been really interesting to watch. So there's not our biggest segment is by far SaaS, but our other segments are are starting to grow pretty rapidly.
1: Mm. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a clever move. Uh, also, it it helps founders who are new to this uh, accelerate. Help you know the sales team you hired; they will help the founders like you know get get more uh, skin in the game and like you educate. I feel one of the things I really appreciate is Acquire has a lot of educational content. Like this is how you sell. This is how you write letter of intent. You know this is the process. And for folks who are not Listed on Acquire, can even founders can learn a lot. So I appreciate that. Uh, there's another you know person from Twitter, Sandro. Shout out to him for asking these three questions. Uh, I'll just go through a couple. Uh, one of the things he wants to check is, what are some new features in the pipeline for Acquire? Do you want to share, give a sneak peek?
0: Um, what are we working on right now? We're redoing our uh, seller onboarding to make it a little bit smoother. Cause a lot of people don't know what like TTM revenue is, TTM, pro- TTM stands for trailing 12 months. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be, um, smoothing that out. So it's a little bit easier to understand. Um, cause we get like 5,000 startups that register on acquire every single wow. month. Awesome. So we dwindled that down to, you know, two to 300 new listings. Mm. Um, and we want to do even more, um. So just being able to talk to them sooner, mm. uh, make them feel comfortable because at the end of the day, what we're selling is trust, mm. you know, in sales, there's a saying people don't buy things when they don't work. Mm. And so we're starting to layer on, um, you know, just more, more service and support about your acquisition because we realize it's potentially like one of the biggest moments of your life. Mm. We want to be there to, to support you um other product things um we have a really interesting um buyer data matching tool that's coming out um then we got another big one that i can't share
1: oh man i thought like we'll give a sneak peek but it's i'm just joking uh one of the one of the other questions he had was lots of interesting stuff lots of lots of you know fascinating stuff uh coming in the future rooting you know waiting for that uh, one, of, one of the other questions, which is kind of like the beginning of my QuickWire days, Uh how did you validate the whole idea? How did you figure out product market fit? This is from Sandro.
0: I launched it. <laughs> just launched it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I looked at the marketplace. I didn't see anything specific to SaaS. I didn't think any of the other marketplaces in like, appealed well to startups Mm -hmm. in terms of positioning or marketing. And I felt there was an opportunity for more of a premium marketplace where buyers were verified. Mm. There's more security. There was an opportunity to build tools Mm. in terms of easily creating a letter of intent, easily creating an asset purchase agreement, going Mm. right into escrow. Mm. Um, So I felt like there was a lack of innovation. So there's kind of a proven market of people looking like I would read um, these these tweets about people buying companies. And I said, that's going to be a trend. Okay. Mm. So I felt like the market was already validated. It was just, what does the product look like? So, um, you know, I always like to say, fall in love with the problem, not um, the product. Mm. Um, and so I fell in love with the problem of how do I connect these buyers and sellers in a way that they're both comfortable with. Right. So um finding product market fit i did a little bit of pre-research but then i you know you got to push it out because the market has feedback that you just have to hear and i like to hear the bad feedback i want to hear it i want to know what sucks what can we fix because you know pat on the back you can't really do much with that like good job andrew Mm. Like, okay i guess we'll keep going but like i love so being on like You know, in communication with so many customers um, pretty much every day for like the first two years, I was able to like really kind of tweak the marketplace to a point where both sellers and buyers were happy.
1: Mm. And I think so. you, you kind of implemented the same thing, right? Like you saw like a trend for mobile apps and that led to business apps. You saw like tweets of people selling and buying stuff on Twitter so i i think that's a sign i would say like uh where yeah you... and
0: and exactly you're really getting on something like you just mentioned you know we have a lot of content for founders hmm. and that's because when i sold my first business i had no idea what a, like i don't know what due diligence was i didn't know what loi was i didn't know what IOI was apa most founders today i would believe that founders today are not really ever trained to sell their business which is arguably the most important part of the founder's journey right but there's books on marketing sales like literally every other topic and so That's i felt there's an opportunity just at the very least like let's educate mm-hmm. startup founders on what acquisitions are what are good deal structures what are red flags that buyers um you know look for so i how, how can you avoid them how can you set yourself up for success so we thought there was also just a huge gaping hole in the market in terms of just content and knowledge being shared right. instead of it being being hidden behind like a business broker or an investment bank or um the other typical status quo um options to sell your business. I like that.
1: Yeah, I think that that's what I learned personally when I was going through my saw startup shout-outs acquisition. I learned a ton from <laughs> requires blogs, like the the videos you Really like you know this, this for the first time i learned what is a letter of intent you know till then i had like no clue due diligence I have zero clue is that a thing i don't know so you kind of educated you know folks like me you know so appreciate for that uh so before we wrap up i do this thing segment called rapid fire five i just asked five funny questions it's funny or i don't know you decide but some questions well, that yeah and we can like you know close it out uh share if you want to share like a life-changing story that you heard through acquire uh what would that be like not personal personally yours but any founder that that you were like wow this is amazing and acquire enabled this
0: i got one right off the top of my head and this is one of the moments where i knew like this is a business i want to run for the next like decade i got nothing else to do (laughs) i get to talk to startup founders all the time right um This individual in India sold a platform that helped students prepare for technical tests at like fan companies like Google, Apple, Facebook, and it was pretty successful. And he ended up selling it for, I believe it was a little under half a million or something like that. Wow. And he wrote me this long email that was just, I almost like teared up because you know, I I had helped him set up the listing and stuff like that, and I'd helped him with a few questions. Um, But he was the, the company was acquired, and f- he's like twenty something, mm. just getting out of college. So he told me re- he paid all of his college debt. He bought his mom like a home. Wow. Um, and just had so much just gratitude of like, dude, you literally changed my life, and. It's I know a lot of companies say that, like, we're changing lives mm-hmm. with our productivity tool. We're changing lives with our sales tool that helps you send emails a little fat but at Acquire, we really do. Like mm-hmm. I was on the phone with another person yesterday, um, where he told me directly, he's like, Hey, your company changed my life. Like, Ooh. not just mine, but my family. And you know, this was a, a multi-million dollar acquisition. And when those go down it is life changing. Your life has changed forever and you're on a different path. And sometimes, um, you know, like that, those moments just remind you of just how, like how lucky I am to be running this business. But that's, that's my favorite one. Cause that was the one where I was like, I'm going to do whatever I can to help as many. My goal is to create a thousand millionaires through acquire. I think just, you know the the opportunity that we have and just the lack of knowledge the lack of you know a, a safe place that favors you know startup founders over the buyers and puts them in the best possible position to maximize their exit that just i haven't felt that existed and it's wish it's what i wish i had when mm-hmm. i was you know um sold so my first business um so that was a really really like emotional one for me. I and love that. It, it's love pretty it. hard to get me to kind of, you know, tear up like that, but yeah. I read that and I was and I wrote him back like you did it all yourself, man. Like <laughs>
1: I'm happy for you. Yeah. Um but I love going. that. I love that. Uh If you want to give a shout out to a founder right now in your arena or your, you know, visibility, who would that be?
0: Uh, I'd say Christian Friedman. I think he's working on something new right now, but that guy, he changed my life.
1: Mm, awesome.
0: I call I call him my business dad on Father's Day from time to time. I'll text <laughs> him like happy happy Father's Day, business dad. Um, <laughs> just because we had we had such a close relationship. Nice. Um and he's just such a great guy, so I would I would say him. Okay. He's, he's he's a legend.
1: And uh have you observed do you want to give like a mention to a creative marketing you recently saw that? Like, you know, wow, this is really clever or funny or really.
3: Hmm. A creative marketing
0: campaign that I've recently seen that I thought was interesting. You know, I really like, I like reading people's stories. I like reading people, you know, Like when it's just like, Hey, I just got my first customer or, Hey, I just got here, Hmm. you know, those moments, I know what those moments feel like. And so I'll always just just comment like, hell yeah, dude. Even if I don't know him. (laughs) So I don't know if that answers the, your question the way you want it to, but, um, it's marketing, you know, it it really is marketing, you know, it's them celebrating a milestone and, um, it's I love kind of like it.
1: a build in public uh you know thing, right? Like you share these milestones that you're narrating your story in public. So I love that. Of course, you know, these they, they will be like so um uh, kind of validating that people are actually progressing as a as an industry itself. So I love that. Uh what's your favorite pastime with with your son?
0: It changes right now it is definitely riding his bike he loves to ride his bike uh but uh selfishly going to parks Mm -hmm. because when you don't have a kid you can't go to parks otherwise you're a weirdo but i love climbing like the big there's been so much innovation in playgrounds oh my gosh Right. You know, when I was growing up, and I'm sure you can relate to this, we just had like the steel slide that was like super hot and like a swing. Now there's like all these jungle gyms and stuff like that. And I'm all about that. It's like (laughs) a a CrossFit workout. I got (laughs)
1: Julian on my back, like we're going up here. Oh, Um, So I I would say that. That's awesome. Uh, Last question. I think you're a big stand-up guy. So who are you listening to right now? Uh, that you recommend to folks and who's your all-time favorite stand-up comedian
0: oh uh all-time i see brian Regan. he's kind of an older one but i saw him in person i like chris D'Elia too but he had some like um scandals going <laughs> on um uh so what are else? you listening
1: right now these
0: days theo vaughn Theo Vaughn. I don't know why I keep listening to him, but he is he's absolutely hilarious. He's maybe not so work friendly, but uh, <laughs> I've just never heard a person who's able to like tell the story uh, that's just so outrageously funny. <laughs> uh, so I'd
1: I'd say Theo Vaughn. Awesome. Andrew, we can go on and on. This is like probably this is like the longest episode I ever did in my podcast and I didn't feel it. Like I felt like it was just talking to a friend you know we're just like you know hanging out so uh this has been amazing and there's like an element of you know philosophy inspiration motivation there's like a like an emotional side of the episode and on this other side of this tactical there's like uh very much tangible where this some of the moves about hiring the marketing you tips you give and yeah, I just, I just want to appreciate you, Andrew, man, this is amazing talking to you. And I probably like, I have to bring back you some of the time, but, uh, anything that you want to, you know, share before we close out?
0: Uh, no, just, just thanks for, for bringing me on the podcast. This is the first one I've done with, um, a shaped head. <laughs> um, if, if you're wondering, I shaved it, um, for a friend who, uh, she's battling, um, uh, um cancer right now and she's gonna lose oh. her hair so I shaved my head for her. So Oh man, that's um, so sweet. So this 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 one's for um Estelle. If anyone's wondering like where did all your hair go? <laughs> but um uh so thanks for having me on man. I really enjoyed this conversation and I'm rooting for you and I love all the content that you post and Oh thank you. I'm excited to see what you do next man.
1: I yeah, appreciate uh yeah I appreciate that. You you've been always there uh, to support so I genuinely appreciate that and for the folks who are listening those those are the people like you know we do these things for and for all the folks who are giving us this time we genuinely want to like you know uh, say thank you to you as well and you make our you know uh we, we, we you are the ones who are like we look forward to either serve and like provide value for and uh, on that note i just want to like you know close it out stay definitely form, follow andrew he's amazing phenomenal as you can see and do share, like, you know, if you have any tips, uh, you know, share with others and do share this episode so that we can inspire one other folks, one of the founders. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's a wrap. And cheers, Andrew. Thanks for coming.
3: Thanks for having me. I had a blast.